0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of H.E.R.D., your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. H.E.R.D. is hosted by me, Joe Hakim, and I'm joined by Nick Fritzky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at Herd Podcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to H.E.R.D., your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and in the studio today with me is certified master chef and the department chair of Schoolcraft College's culinary arts program, Chef Sean Loving. Chef, thanks for being with me. My pleasure. Thank Uh, you. So before we get started, I want to make clear that Schoolcraft College is a sponsor of Herd, and I appreciate that. And um, it's not the only reason you're here with me, because I, I've told you, before we started the show, I want to talk to you for, uh, we've been doing this for about two years, and I want to talk to you for two years. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're a, a very well-respected chef, locally, nationally even. And um, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the certified master chef um, title that you have. What, what, what does that mean?
1: It is a, um, it's a test that is, um, um, in the certification ranks of the American Culinary Federation. It is a, um, it's the highest, um, level of certifications you can receive from that particular guild or that, that organization. Um, there are certifications as master chefs through, um, France, through other areas in the world, you know, obviously not just through the United States, but it is a, um, it's an exam that has um, its eight days. Um, it features a variety of competencies and actual skill sets that you have to perform throughout the eight days. You don't know exactly what you're going to draw or what is expected of you until the evening prior. So you have, um, somewhere between five to six hours to actually build out what would be, um, example, a menu, um, a requisition form that tells exactly what you want, um, after you draw your particular cuisine or your particular culture or whatever the case may be. And then from that you have until midnight to turn in your requisition and then you have anywhere from four hours to four hours and 30 minutes to plate it up. It's always portions of, of, um, uh, ten, um, and it goes anywhere from global cuisine to, um, garbage cold, uh, food that you draw, um, classical cuisine. Um, and then on the last day, the eighth day, you cook twice. Uh, the first half of the day is international cuisine. So the night before you draw your international cuisine. And that's, um, three different international dishes that you have to do ten portions of each in four hours. Wow. And then from that, if you pass that, the second half of the day, you cook another five hours, and that is um, a six-course menu, and you receive 27 different ingredients, seven of which are proteins, and you walk into a room, and they give you a, a cart that has all 27 ingredients on it, and then you have a half an hour to write your menu, and then from that, that cart is rolled into the kitchen for you, and then you, the clock starts from that half hour, and then you just cook Um, obviously at that point you don't have recipes you can follow. You don't have any, you just only are going off of everything you've been working towards your whole life, really your, your, your style, your, your intellect of what you think that ingredient best serves you and, and, and what you stand for. So it's just, um, it's really, um, honestly, from a chef's perspective, an out of body experience that day, um, because you, Are just everything's coming into play. Your childhood memory, um, you know, things you've eaten throughout your lifetime, your travel, your experiences, your everything comes in to to play that that day to to just show that you you understand every aspect of cookery. And so that's kind of a snapshot of the test.
0: What is the grading portion like? How do you get
1: graded? You get evaluated by different um, master chefs that come in throughout the country. Uh They come in on different days where they may be specific to a specialty area. So, you know, my lead evaluator for the first half of that day eight is, um he's Austrian. So he has a specific style of how he likes Austrian uh, cuisine prepared. And you have to have studied, you know, uh, the different competencies because you don't know what you'll draw, whether it be Spain or uh, whether it be Peruvian, you know, it's just it's all across the board.
0: What did you draw? Can you say?
1: Um, I drew a, um, I drew a, a beef dish, um, that, that is, um, it's a Belgian beef. Okay. Um, that is, it's a stewing method that you, um, you cook, uh, it's a real tough cut of meat that you cook with beer. Um, but it's equal parts of, of beef with onion. And the onions are supposed to ultimately disintegrate, uh, with the cooking of the beer to where you don't see the onions anymore. But the pro- the prominent uh, focus is the beer. And then I drew a, um, a, a, a seafood, um, uh, uh, course that, um, specifically you thicken. It's a, it's a Basque. It's from the Basque region. You, um, you cook the seafood and the, the, the Lagostines in that, um, in a broth that gets thickened with, um, crushed almonds and bread. So it's a, it's a classic wow. dish there. And then, um, um, then the last dish, um, it was, uh, I believe, a gnocchi or, or something like that that I had. I can't re- remember exactly. Uh, but, you know, you get that right down to the wire because, you know, international dishes, you got to sort of think how they would want them. And so right. that's, that's difficult.
0: And, and so then, obviously, you get to the final part. And, and were there—you have no idea what the ingredients are going to be. No idea. So were there things you were hoping for and— did you were your hopes realized or were they dashed?
1: Well, um, I, I I'd have to say a combination of both. I um I I played that day based on seasonality. Okay. That's number one. I thought through, you know what what's going to be available at this moment. You know we're in October, um, so you know the theme around specific things that are going to be um, probably most best in that basket. I'm thinking that that's what they would you know pull. Uh-huh. So you know whether it be different types of squash. Pumpkins. Um, did this take place squash. in Detroit? The, yes. In it Detroit. Did. Okay. I did mm-hmm. at schoolcraft? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, and then um, and then there were some 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 wild cards there. You know, live crawfish. Um, um, wow. Some some really really tough birds uh, that I got out of uh, France. Um, the the Brise chickens. They're pretty tough. Uh, they're almost like a lean pheasant. Uh huh. That was a, that was a that was a shocker for me. <laughs> um, uh, a shoulder of lamb. Uh, a couple lamb racks, uh, different grains, uh, cranberry beans,
0: wow. uh, semolina. Uh,
1: yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of, lot of, lot of ingredients. A so Hubbard squash, big, lard squash. And you
0: have to use every ingredient. Every the, ingredient. Every ingredient. And you okay. have
1: to, you have to acknowledge that on your menu. Okay. That, that you used it. So you can't like say I'm going to do something and then you forgot it. Right. 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 So I had to use every ingredient. So at that point, you're not dealing with recipes. Instinct. Instinctive. Cooking is is the name of that game, right? right? So it's like if you've never really dealt with that item ever in your life, you probably got to go back to your mindset of, you know, what would be the best thing that would happen with this? Okay, the crawfish are normally dirty because they're in the ground and they're in the water or, or you know, muddy water, if you will. Right. So, right, right. So that's a very southern-driven. Uh-huh. you know, crawfish. Just so I, you know, use some of those roots in my mindset in terms of, you know, those flavors, etoufade or etouffee, that uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah, right. So.
0: And then what about dessert? Is dessert included in this or was dessert,
1: it? Dessert's my... um, uh, day seven of the exam. So oh, you have to do your pastries okay. and baking on day seven before okay. you move to the last day.
0: I, I feel like there's some element of dessert that's pushed away from, by a lot of chefs. Like they say yeah. like, well, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But, yeah.
0: But part of being this, you, you got to be all like, you have uh, to be well-rounded. well-rounded yeah. Right,
1: absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't sit here with you today and say I'm a pastry chef. There's no no question about it. But I think you have to be uh, understanding of the balance of flavors and knowing that everything can't be just over-the-top sweet. You know, you have to have some acidity in there in terms of utilization of good citrus and, and uh, understanding formulas of custards, um, basic chiffon, uh-huh. um, you know, um, unleavened versus leavened breads. Um, you have to— um, display that knowledge of, um, how to work with bread, how to work with, uh, puff dough. Um, so it was a, um, it was just a fantastic experience for me, um, specifically because it was a, an outlet for me to, uh, push my own self, um, discover the things that I wasn't very good at through my journey and look in the mirror and make a decision whether or not I wanted to become better at it. And, and, um, there's not many things out there that way obviously you know there's restaurant opportunities and, and and that type of push but um in terms of you know higher educating yourself in the in the hospitality business or culinary world it was the one major thing that i thought i could use for my own overall in-depth learning experience as a chef and that was the reason i i pushed for that quest
0: and, and previous to that you so your, your certification occurred when you graduated? Uh, in 2017, 2017. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you owned a restaurant way it, back, yes. uh, that, uh, in the 2000s, 90s. Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, loving spoonful. Right. Okay. Right. So that was located.
1: It was in Farmington Hills, Hills, um, 12 mile, uh-huh. um, between Halstead and Haggerty. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I, and I recall dining there once, um, and, and really enjoying it, um, Talk about that experience versus, uh, well, let's talk about that experience. Sure. So, absolutely. So, you, 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 uh, Obviously, did you go to culinary school? I did. Okay. I did. So you graduate culinary school, you come out of culinary school, and you don't open a restaurant immediately, right? No, no. So you worked in the industry. I did. And um, what led to opening the restaurant?
1: So I, I was on a journey um, I think would be considered a, a little different. I um, graduated from culinary school and made the decision to go into the corporate world. Um, I went. Um, was offered an opportunity after doing some um, competition work in um, Germany. Um, I was offered a job with... Um, with uh, Epcot Center at Walt Disney World. Okay. Um, so I was with Disney. I went to Epcot and was working in um, one of the higher volume restaurants, um, the Coral Reef, um, the land. Um, and then I went over to Euro Disney and uh, helped with some, some work at one of the resorts, the Cheyenne at Euro Disney. And so um, the corporate aspect of things and working for Walt Disney World gives you a, you know, a, a different perspective of how chefs are. You know, we, we're, we're very, um, Finicky and, and, and we like, um, food a certain way and, and our passion kind of runs over, obviously. And, but this was different because it gave me a understanding of service, um, guest, um, the experience is, is the most important thing. Um, and obviously you're going to always be able to wow people with food, but the everlasting is how people feel comfortable and warm. And, and, um, I learned a lot, um, from that company. So from there, um, I opened a large, um, a concept with a company which was race rock international. It was very similar to a hard rock cafe, but for motorsports. So we had anything that ran with a motor, we operated and that was in the middle of Orlando and obviously Daytona 500 was big. Mm-hmm. Um, it just a very, very large uh, property, 40,000 square feet. And then we opened one in Vegas. Wow. So those particular owners, um, um, I'd put in seven years with them and, and, um, I was ready to, it was kind of itchy to get back into the heart and soul of a la carte and, you know, just that, that rhythm, you know, holding your tongs in your hand and, and, um, and just excited about seeing someone come into the restaurant for the second or third time. Uh-huh. So I wanted to do that somehow, didn't know how I would do it. And, uh, the owners decided we don't want you to leave us. So we want to open a restaurant with you. And, uh, they said, wherever you want to put it, tell us where. And I said, well, Let's head back to where it started, and, and um, everyone always said, well, why didn't you, why didn't you go with um, you know, Detroit you know, as opposed to Farmington Hills? But at the time, the deal was great um, at that golf course, um, but also it gave me sort of a, a central location to get back to where, I, where it all began for me at Schoolcraft College. So I went to Schoolcraft, um, graduated in 91 from the program. So it became full circle for me to uh-huh. go back to the college and give back and and I did that both simultaneously ran the restaurant and and taught part time at schoolcraft
0: oh so when you opened the restaurant, you went back to not the, right not, away. Not, yeah but but eventually a okay. yeah a little bit um and then so the restaurant ends up closing
1: yeah i i um had the restaurant for um seven years uh-huh. and um and decided to um um I was offered the opportunity to be a director or, part, or department chair for culinary and teach full time there, and and uh, it was time to do it. And um, I had had great experiences with the Pistons and uh, doing personal chefing for them and a lot of athletes, and and um, it was just time to do it to, yeah. to start teaching to, to just another chapter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, teaching is is one thing, but just the the next chapter, uh-huh. right?
0: You know, it was good to do. So, can you kind of compare owning a restaurant versus being a department chair mm-hmm. of, of a culinary program,
1: yeah, I think it's um, well, you know, owning a restaurant, it's um, definitely stressful. Um, you know, um, someone calling in and and um, it's Friday night. Um, uh, your utility worker's not getting along. Um, or they, you know, it's it's Ramadan season and they've got to go uh, step away for an hour and it's during the rush and. You don't want to affect them with that, and you know, I—it's a different kind of uh, energy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you yeah, watch theft, and and um, it was a, a an awesome experience. But I think the best, um, the the most overall experience I learned is is you take a different road when you're an owner as a chef because you just learn real quick how to be humble. Um, if somebody wants a Caesar salad, no matter how creative you believe you're going to be, if Caesar salad drives the ticket and you want them to come back, you'll become real humble quick and not be so modern and and make sure you realize that you're paying those bills. And so I think that's the big difference when you own versus being the chef of something, but you're not the owner. Chefs usually drive and push, hey, I'm creative, I'm doing what I want to do type thing. But when you own and you're paying everybody and you're paying the alarm system and the everything that goes on it evolves around you. You change pretty quickly to make sure your cuisine matches what your guests want.
0: Uh-huh. And so now, now you're dealing with the money of students. These students are paying Absolutely. for education. Mm-hmm. So how does that, how, what kind of hospitality are, are you giving them?
1: Well, I think that, you know, one of the things is, is although they are our customer, uh-huh. uh, we never change the standard. Um, because there's a lot of myths about culinary school versus not going to culinary school. And, um, is it really needed or, you know, you're going to be babied along in that type of environment. We actually at Schoolcraft run opposite than that. I mean, although they are our customer and we have to listen to them, um, we're preparing them for the industry. We're not preparing them for just being good cooks at home. We're not preparing them to have just a little sidebar of a cupcake stand somewhere. We're preparing them to be, um, solid for the industry and and ready to take on um, the necessary steps to become something in the business. Um, And so with that being the case, I find the stress that being the same, it's just a different type because of our expectations.
0: And so when you're competing with, and you mentioned this, like going to culinary school versus not, Mm -hmm. right? There is a lot of information out there in the world now, mm-hmm. be it YouTube, Absolutely. be it Food Network, Cooking mm-hmm. Channel, all of these places that are showing people how to do certain things, how to um, how to create dishes that mm-hmm. maybe, you know, 30 years ago, it, it was like, well, I would have had no idea how to do that Yeah, back it didn't then. exist. Right. Right. So um, how do you tell someone who thinks they know mm-hmm. so much already right. that... Really, you, you might not know as much as you think.
1: I think what happens for us in the in the um, that's such an awesome question because what happens in our environment is most in the outside world believe that you know a, a cooking school doesn't do um, any of the higher level things, but our culinary school actually uh, produces beyond phenomenal product that is and would handle itself very well if we put our product in the industry right now. Uh It would be very, very much popular. It would be very, very much um, as modern as today's food. But I think what ends up happening for us when we come across our customer, or in this case, the student that believes they, they know already, they usually figure it out very quickly after their practical exams what they really don't know. And our practical exams happen after every five weeks, and they, they draw a practical exam. And if they weren't paying attention to the subjects, but yet they drew an item that they should have, they realize very quickly, to the simplicity of things that they thought were easy, become very complex to them. And that usually changes them very, very rapidly. So there's that type of customer, and then there's the other type that goes to culinary school while they're simultaneously working in the industry. And that individual mostly is bold and much more seasoned veteran in the game, Um, but also at the same time, they recognize that although they're used to their station in a restaurant and they can do it over and over again, you know, if I give them a whole salmon to break down or a a round flat fish or round fish, whatever it is, they're not used to that item. They're not seeing that item in their restaurant on a a daily basis or weekly basis because the restaurant is set with its own item. but we cover the whole vast area of so much that they realize, even though I'm pretty sharp at the restaurant I work at, I better stick this out because this is going to be good for my future. And so that's the difference,
0: I think. What does the curriculum look like for, for a culinary program?
1: Well, we have, um, we have a one-year certificate. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a two-year associate's degree, a one-year baking and pastry program, and then we have a four-year bachelor's degree that concentrates on nutrition. Wow. Yeah. So, th- does
0: the four-year program encompass all of? Like it does. It does. So
1: it it accepts all of those credits, uh-huh. and then it it finishes itself off with a uh, uh, an internship um, um, that is uh, with nutrition and wherever we place them um, based on what direction they want to go to be a nutritionist or how they want to use culinary with that as a combination.
0: During during this time um, in the program, are there any? business classes that are offered, like how to run a restaurant or something like that? We have some
1: of those intermixed in either the associate's degree and or the the, the bachelor's degree. One of the reasons we went the direction of nutrition is because a lot of the um, senior facilities, um, it's so broad now, the job scope, compared to just when I was coming up. You only There was only three or four main restaurants. If you got in one of those, you were going to become recognized somewhere somehow. Now you can become a personal chef. Now you can run a a gourmet grocery store. You can work in a fine dining restaurant concept. You can work in hotels. You can work in resorts. You can work in casinos. You can work at a senior living facility that has a very, very broad restaurant concept inside of it. You can work at a hospital it's so many more options today that never existed i mean the the
0: industry is in dire need of of huge people now the 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 caveat to that that i 've noticed is that a lot of the jobs coming out of that you go at entry level jobs in the industry mm-hmm. do not pay very well right right so how do you tell a student who um who's going to go through school, culinary school, and they start out and they see that these jobs are paying $10, $12 sure, an hour. Sure, sure. Um, how, how do you tell them it's going to be okay?
1: I, I think I I give the advice this way. First and foremost, before you j- jump into the job that seems to be the right one for you, but it seems to be a struggle financially, before you even do that, create a support staff or, or, a, or a support system for yourself. Not necessarily staff, but, you know, uh, roommate, um, family, you know, create a plan, create yourself a plan on how it will work for you in terms of a calendar. I want to work in this place for two years. Here's the support I'm going to need. And from here, I'm going to go this next direction. So that through the times where financially it's not strong enough for you, you're gaining and absorbing as a sponge so much powerful knowledge from the property that's hot or awesome with flavors or concepts or cooking or style so that when it is time for you to jump from that property to interview for that next job that changes your finances greatly, you're taking with you the knowledge, right? Individuals right now, respectfully, are trying to bypass that. Like, I can't deal with that. I I can't make that amount of money. But you don't really have the knowledge to go and interview for the salary position that you believe you're ready for. Yes, you get it in in the beginning, but you sink after six months or five months when you have to know leadership skills, cost analysis, plate presentations. Uh, uh, You have a dilemma. So many things go on with that. So uh, jumping too fast is a dilemma, um, but not surrounding yourself with support so you can go and get the knowledge because it's different than going just to a university you have to have that support even when you're in a dorm you need the same support doing that and if you're patient there's no way possible you cannot be successful in this in this profession the job market's endless if you're patient your salary will triple you won't have to worry about money money's not an issue
0: but but the 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 thing people see like with celebrity chefs sure. is kind of like mm-hmm. this constant Again, bring up the Food Network again, and Absolutely. like you know, Bobby Flay, mm-hmm. Guy Fieri, like Rachel Ray, these people that cook on TV for a living. It, there, there has to be some understanding that these people are a very select few, and that they put in work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there is this uh, this thought that like I'm going to be the next sure Bobby Flay, and how do you how do you let someone down or you know tell them like listen guys, this is not. This is not the path most right. of us are going to go down. Absolutely.
1: Well, I can I can say honestly that an individual that's looking to be um, in that percentage of throw the rings in the air and hope that you're the next, you know, Rachel Ray, culinary school may not be the best thing for you. Because the the reality is, is we're not teaching just that from a foodie perspective, that they believe that they can... Make it that way because those individuals that you named are very talented, but most of them did go down the road of culinary school first. Not all of them just so happened to. Most all of them that were successful in the on the food network in the beginning stages your Emeralds and your all of them they went to culinary school first. They just found a niche, they found a word, a moment, a bam, a this or that. They found something that drew everyone near. They found a show. They found a mental show that made everyone say, wow, I want to watch that again. That's all that is. So television's been good and it's been bad. It's been a great thing for making our industry recognized as a true profession. The bad thing is it's made for the great tours out there and great concepts and all that. Um, and not receive the great people because they feel they can bypass all of that.
0: So I want to take a point you just made. This this wow, I want to watch that again. Point, mm-hmm. and I want to pull it back in and, and talk about restaurants and say mm-hmm. wow, I want to dine there again. Mm-hmm. There's an article written yesterday by Mark Curleyancheck in the Free Press that talked about all the restaurants that are closing, mm-hmm. and he he makes the claim that the boom is over, and um, that it seems that restaurants, and, and, you know, I mean, more restaurants are opening. More restaurants are closing. Mm-hmm. It seems like a mm-hmm. the ratio is probably kind of similar. Maybe it's a little bit higher at this mm-hmm. point. What are your thoughts on that and the 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 overall concept of building a great concept that people want to come back to?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I I you know it's hard for me to agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that it's hard for me to agree with that because we've been starving for so long for this boom. The Detroit area. The Detroit area. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been we've been long overdue for this moment. Um, and many cities, if you will, that are doing great with restaurants probably have that same attrition, but yet it's not announced the same. Um, I believe that with all things it'll 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 flush out and balance itself um but why not um let's see what will happen. Not all of the closings are because there was a problem with people coming in or or its product style or quality um sometimes it's hard to be an independent owner. Um, especially with an area that's just so powerful like Detroit's become. But I can't necessarily say that it's over. I I happen to think it's going to balance out and it's just begun. I think that the mainstay, the real catalysts that have, have become powerful for us, I think they're going to maintain. I think they're going to stay. They're going to stay steadfast. I think everyone will settle into um, going to those restaurants. And, I put the actual uh, responsibility back on um, the metropolitan area and the people that live in the city, uh, along with just the surrounding areas. We've been asking and starving for this a long time. Don't leave people out there astray. Go to these restaurants. Go and try them out. That's only fair now. Don't give the business to the grocery store that has the gourmet market. You should go to the restaurant concepts and try them because they deserve that. They put their heart and soul into... Uh, bringing their concept there, and and now all of a sudden you're not going to go. I mean that's not that's not fair to us.
0: And then how how do you how do you teach building a great concept? Do you teach that in culinary school? Is that something that's more of a feeling?
1: That's a feeling. I think that comes with 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 um, individuals that are true veterans. He or she is going to be a veteran in something like that, and they they collaborate with a great team and a great family. Uh, Meaning, you know, restaurant people are like family. Right. I understand. Once once there's, and that's what I, when I refer to family, I mean, when you go into a restaurant that's well-tuned, you realize that everyone's all on the same page and they're all family. They hang out together. They have vacations together two, three days when the restaurant's closed or that's a family. Uh So we don't necessarily teach that, but we do teach, go to a good house. Our college teaches, let's help place you in a good house, a good restaurant, a good property. That's one of the things for sure that we do. We don't allow them to go just any and everywhere. That's why I control the bulletin board on what's what postings are are up for restaurants. I won't just l- allow a concept that's not going to do the good culinary and good by going there. So I monitored that.
0: Oh, okay, absolutely. So there is some sense of like, like a healthy culture that's occurring in the restaurants that you want to you want to place your absolutely. students in. Okay,
1: absolutely. I mean. You know, I, I think sometimes there's a mistake believed that, that, you know, an individual like myself or my other colleagues that, that we're, we're not concurrent in the industry. But I always, when I'm teaching, I pay homage to all the chefs that are out there right now doing good in the industry because a lot of individuals went to Schoolcraft mm-hmm. that are now chefs of these properties that I'm, you know, promoting and saluting them and trying my very best to pass them a, a good fit along the way, so... You know we're promoting them very much so it just doesn't feel that way because we are quote unquote in a culinary school uh-huh. right but it's a little more to it than that
0: so the, there is this feeling that the industry for many years for for decades and maybe still to, to this day to some extent has this kind of vein of toxic masculinity and these kind of like the, the kitchen can be a like a angry place at times mm-hmm. How, what are your thoughts on that
1: I really think that's overplayed based on TV. Uh Um, I believe that the real word is intensity. I believe that a product that's excellent is going to have intense moments. I think there's a big difference between it being intense and being uncomfortable to work. And I think that the industry, for the most part, has gotten a hold of that and understands the difference. Um, But it's hard to rid intensity when, when we're talking about Having a concept that's of quality, it's just very difficult for everything to be laissez-faire and expect results, expect people to come. So, if your product's excellent and you have some intense moments, then you, you know, then we're we're not going to be faced with closings and things of that nature. So, I, I really like to refer to it as intense. Uh-huh. I mean, just the same in my my exam, there were some intense moments. It didn't make for there to be disrespect, but you know, it's it's like lifeline stuff going on. I mean. I don't, don't drop things on the floor. Don't, you know, it costs money. Right. (laughs) You know, it's, it's that way. So I, I really believe in my heart. Intensity sort of plays, um, a major fact in it. And, and now that there's television and, and computers and, and all of those things, and people get a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. Like, you're not going to talk to me that way. And, you know, there's more of that edge, but the reality is, is it's intensity on excellence. And, um, Sometimes that's overshadowed by people believing that Gordon Ramsay yells at people. So therefore, you can't yell at me like that. Well, that's just television. I mean, that's not the reality. I mean, that's why you're watching it, because you're being entertained.
0: Well, there's a vast difference if you've ever compared Gordon Ramsay on American TV versus Gordon Ramsay on British TV. Absolutely. He's a totally different Totally different person. Yeah. He, totally that, different. That American Gordon Ramsay doesn't exist. In, <laughs> doesn't, yeah. he, he's He's much calmer. It seems like on the British. Uh, he is. British. I was.
1: I was at his hotel in London uh-huh. um, because I did some work with uh, the NBA for NBA Live. Uh-huh. Um, um, I was there for for four or five days cooking for the New York Knicks, uh-huh. and uh, he was there. And it's just totally opposite. I mean, he's a chef, straight straight to and and through, and he's yeah. not yelling at anybody. <sighs> There's order in the kitchen, you know, and. The individuals that are intense are the individuals that work for him, not him. You're uh-huh. right. That's opposite than him being the intense one on TV because that's what everybody wants is right. for him to be intense on TV. Right. Yeah. So it's a show.
0: If he was calm and mild mannered, it wouldn't be a TV yeah, show. <laughs> people would be like, Oh, it's boring now. He didn't
1: yell at that girl for his burning his scallops.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: people like that, you know, um, is culinary school intense? Absolutely. Uh huh. It's intense because, you know, let's face it. Our customer, is going to be critiqued and judged by the individuals that are running the operations and say whether or not we did good by showing them the ropes. Right. So our name's on the line just as much as the restaurateur's name is on the line or the chef's name's on the line on what they're serving. Our name's on the line on being a a great culinary school, being a great college, right? So we take pride in that. It'd be it'd be it'd be fascinating for you to come see it, check it out, see how Intense, it really gets, right. So sometimes people are crying because they're excited; they nailed it. Sometimes people cry because they know they didn't pay attention. You got to do it over. There's no. There's no way around that.
0: When someone comes to a job interview or provides a resume and it says mm-hmm. craft College, Graduate mm-hmm. of Schoolcraft College," what can the person on the other side that's interviewing the the, the new expect? Yeah, what can mm-hmm. they expect?
1: They can expect someone that's definitely professional, um, has been taught to be um, um, patient um, with uh, their growth. They will know basic and strong etiquette in a kitchen. They will be. They will have vast knowledge on ingredients, um, the basic formulas of math necessary to scale and do all of the things necessary. They'll understand... Cooking instinctively and have been um, uh, introduced to a vast area of things from charcuterie to butchering techniques to classical cuisine to international cuisine to advanced pastry, artesian baking, um, anything from unleavened bread to croissant dough to how to do all of that properly, um, storeroom analysis of that, um, inventory. Um, auditors, so we take them down the whole road and a solid snapshot of what the hospitality world's about. That's and, what they can expect.
0: And there's also a restaurant mm-hmm. you guys operate. Out we of, do out of the college. We do. Can you talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah, American Harvest, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it has specific dates and or days that we operate because we teach the items first and then we and then we open it up. But we have an international buffet for dinner. Um, my class operates more of a classical cuisine, which is for lunch. Um, every day it starts over again, brand new, with new entrees, new soups. Um, so it's not the repeated same menu for five days. Every day it's a new menu. So it's pretty complex and intense in the morning to get that ready for a lunch service. Uh-huh. And... Um, we have um, three cafes on 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 property um, at the college, so we we operate those as outlets for learning retail um, for the students as well. So it's pretty busy, pretty busy there. So how how many is that an a job? Is
0: it employment or is that part of like a that portion is employment? employment? So I
1: have I have. I have some students and, um, adjunct faculty that operate that as an employment separate from teaching. Uh huh. So we're, we're much more busier than people believe. <laughs> I mean, it's a busy, the restaurant is the restaurant, uh-huh. the The cafes, the cafes, the, um, special uh, scenarios that go on. I mean, when you think of how big our college is, if someone, um, unfortunately has a loved one they've lost, who do you think they call for? Something driven bereavement, right? I mean, right, yeah. right. We're we're the hospitality circle of it, right? So, how
0: big is the college? Do you know?
1: I don't know the square footage, but I know that we've or, got a lot going on. Or like
0: the student student wise, do you know many? No. Wow. Well, a lot. I don't know exactly. Yes, yeah. But yeah.
1: Culinary usually sits with about one hundred and ninety two. Okay. Oh,
0: that was my 20. next question. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's the max that would or yeah around
1: between that. the baking and pastry program and the regular. Um, culinary program
0: and how many of them end up working in the inside the restaurant all of
1: them they all ha- are forced to um, because that's a part of the curriculum okay forced yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're forced <laughs> to. I mean, we're opening up in your yeah. server and you've never served before and try not to spill the coffee or tea on the guest and
0: so service is a part of this
1: too oh yeah so there's dining room service how to pour wine um, how to um, uh, do table service table side cookery uh-huh. So we do, you know, whether it be a classic Cherry's Jubilee, Bananas Foster, we, yeah, they do tableside cooking as well. Okay. So, so what,
0: how, how often? So you have 192 students. Um, are you operating in capacity almost every, uh, in terms of students? Students, yeah.
1: No, sometimes we, you know, we, we shorten, there's attrition, and, you know, just like most things, it's flooding itself with, Education as well, and individuals that decide not to go to culinary school. But we operate fall and winter as our semesters. Um, and then in the summer months is our prerequisite courses that go on at the, in the, on the campus.
0: And prerequisite meaning like the general kind of education that happens at the college level?
1: Yes. You have to take um, a prerequisite class, which is our intro cooking class, uh-huh. and receive a 2.5 or greater in order to be eligible for our program. And we use that as a system to make sure individuals are ready for the rigor. And so the interesting thing about that scale is 2.5 for that really is an 82%. Okay. So most would think 2.5 is lower than that number, but we change the scale on that so that an individual that's really interested in our program will get a higher score. So that they know that they're really ready, they're not. It's not a hobby uh, type of thing, or it's not a hobbyist school at all. Uh-huh. It doesn't usually work out for those that just want to learn one subject but ignore other things.
0: So I'm fascinated by this idea of of grading, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I used to be a teacher at, at Wayne State. I taught composition and as a composition teacher it's fairly easy to understand like to, when you're reading through a through an essay it's like well the grammar's off mm-hmm. the and the spelling's off and they're not making a clear argument when someone presents a dish mm-hmm. um are they given something to shoot at so mm-hmm. uh, like a, like an example dish or is it based off of something else altogether
1: it's 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 usually subjective for sure a lot of subjective but it's it's usually based on what the dish is that they're presenting. So if we used, um, um, say a classic dish, cocovan mm-hmm. um, you know, did, um, did the chicken braise long enough because it's usually a tougher cut because cocovan is a, is a, is a tougher rooster. Mm-hmm. You know, did they marinate their chicken long enough with the proper red wine? Did they make their palms puree, their potato puree properly, or are they starchy? Usually because of the amount of time that they spend four weeks of actual being trained on a particular subject and then the fifth week they take their practical exam. Our instructors, because they're so industry driven and have been in the industry, when the dish is presented in front of us, one of our models is you taste it first. It's your dish. You prepared it. And our question, usually my question number one to the student that's presenting me their dishes, would you actually pay for that? would you buy that dish for 19.95 for 2350 would you pay for that dish and they have no choice at that point but to be honest
0: and and that that goes for a dish that looks incredible even or a dish that looks not so good absolutely it goes across the because board
1: because there could be something that looks incredible uh-huh but has no flavor uh-huh you didn't taste anything you made you made it beautiful uh-huh but you wouldn't eat the whole thing because you don't even like it yourself or a person's plate presentation's not very good but they cooked from their heart they just don't have that grip of understanding how it should look uh-huh. but it tastes very good so we have a you know a rubric on taste versus presentation versus balance versus you know there's all of those things there usually it's it's just such a great way to do it because they tell the truth right right because You know, they all um, come to the school saying, I'm going to own my own restaurant. I'm going to have my own catering business. I'm going to. And it tells the truth because it's yours. You you made it. We gave you the best ingredients possible. We bought you the best fish, the best shrimp, the best scallops. But you cooked it. No one touched it. You did it on your own. Uh And so I think in closing on that subject, the American harvest, that's what's important about it. Because the food that is being served to the public is the food the students cook, not the instructors. we show them how, but it's their it's their restaurant, yeah you know essentially it's theirs, you know it's not ours because I know how to do it. Uh-huh. Right? they need to know how to do it
0: so going on this path and you mentioned tasting the food, and mm-hmm. there's a multitude very recently in the last, you know, say ten years of food allergies. Mm-hmm. And then there's um diets such as, you know, there's vegetarian, vegan, mm-hmm. keto, all of these things. Are there students that come through that are, are very particular about what they eat in the first place? Absolutely. And how do you work around them? Or do they work around you? Like how does that
1: Usually it's a combination. Okay. They work around us and we work around them. Some things just become a little bit more um difficult. Um for example the subject of religion that becomes difficult um, just based on butchery. Uh-huh. Um, uh, maybe something needs to be kosher or you can't be in the room with a particular product. You know, that becomes tough. Um, but each student is different. Um, but there are certain allergies and certain scenarios that it's just very difficult for us to help. Uh, for example, um, um, gluten. Mm-hmm. Like if you're actually allergic to it, it, it's very difficult for you to take the baking and pastry program. That probably wouldn't be the you know it's not that we're steering you away as our customer, and our desire is for you to learn the very best you can, but it's different if someone says just under no circumstances can I deal with any tree nuts absolutely right so we we make sure that the draw of that you're not going to get um a particular korean dish or we we, we understand that part, right. but it's the times where an individual it has nothing to do with a diet or obesity or or, or or anything like that it's I really don't like you know i I really don't like nori. I don't I don't I don't like sushi. I don't like eating it. It's okay. You don't you don't have to eat it, but you have to roll it. You have to roll it. We're not going to move it away from you uh-huh. because you're not allergic to it. You just don't prefer it in right. your diet. That's fine. It's it's nothing wrong with that, but we don't allow them to pick and choose um if it's not um basically life or death or health uh reasons, I mean Chicken feet at the end of the day, or need to go in the stock, and you you got to touch them unless you're allergic to them. You got to you got to get down and dirty with that.
0: So then, what about someone who's a vegetarian or a vegan? Do you mm-hmm. do you have programs for yeah. them? Okay,
1: I think you know it's more so not necessarily programs, but our continuing education uh-huh. department, our CEPD, has half dozen um, vegetarian and or vegan classes that are held. That are separate from the core curriculum. Okay. Um, we hit a lot of those same subjects in our core curriculum, but it'd be very difficult for the individual to enjoy, um, as a customer, the broad, vast things going on in the core curriculum um, if they only want to deal with vegan or vegetarian items. Now... Um, um, I've had times where the person can't eat the items but they want to be a part of the program and they'll cook it and I'll actually or another instructor or other individuals will be the taster or the profile of it. Okay. So we don't we don't run away from them at all but we we let them know in the beginning when they are with our advisors you know, where the true stumbling blocks will be within the curriculum.
0: Yeah, because th- that was going to be my question when when you brought up the uh, the taste it and mm-hmm. would you pay for this? Sure. And if someone say doesn't eat chicken, right. um, they and they don't taste it, then how could they how right, could they well, respond to that? If answer? it's
1: a person like that, then yeah. we make sure that their draw isn't poultry. Got it. Right? Oh, so, I see. So the you know, so that is that's announced in week 1 to the to the to the individual in my class. Okay. Here's the draw and all the practicals you can get. Lamb shanks, prawns, you know, is there any uh, allergy or scenarios in here? Well, I don't really eat scallops, it makes me itch. Okay. I just jot right, that. that down. Uh-huh. Now you're gonna be a part of this whole concept in this whole class, but when it's time to draw your practical exam, you for sure won't draw that. But you're gonna be around it. Uh huh. You won't draw it.
0: So you don't have to taste it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely make it user-friendly for them, but we don't change the rigor no matter what.
0: It, it's, it's an interesting path, I think, and um, it's one where I really like the well-roundedness of it all. And um, I think one of the, the the main things that I've noticed in, in a lot of places is it's really hard for people who have gone down – the culinary path and really like to cook to operate their own business absolutely it's it's a it's a, just a, a whole another skill set
1: yeah you know, owning is so therapeutic i mean you know you know a real owner you can tell a chef or owners in general they love it it's a different breed i mean it's something about making a guest that wasn't happy happy again that's a tough thing to do and it's also a tough thing to feel comfortable and let your guard down a little bit on your on your your seasoned guests that are your uh, individuals that come all the time. And you let your guard down just a little bit and something wasn't exactly the way they're used to it because they're your regulars. The dynamics of owning is that's a, a whole nother school. Uh-huh. That's a that's a that's really, really a different school. Yeah, I mean, from vacuuming the carpet to, it's a different school. <laughs> and
0: then, what about the 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 chefs or the 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 students there that you see that aren't that are any of them surprised that they have to do service as well?
1: Oh, they're surprised at it because, um, they are um. Sort of looking, you know, today's market uh, from time to time are, are just looking for the path that's the easiest road, right? I mean, you know, um, sometimes those simple things of of cleaning the tables and the service and things of that nature. Um, when you're going to culinary school, sometimes you believe that's beneath you. You are, you are, you're the one that wants to be on the spotlight that you put up the beautiful salmon dish. But the reality is, is it's a full circle for excellence. I mean, um. That's that's the that's the real bread and butter
0: well the, and then there's this perceived like curtain or veil between the front of house and back mm-hmm. of the house, mm-hmm. so part of it sounds like part of culinary school especially yeah, we school don't craft, allow but, that separation yeah. so, so it, it, it's not there
1: it's not at all because uh-huh. you're you're gonna be faced with it year one, you won't even cook in my class until you do service okay you don't year one you learn how to greet and your're hostessing and you're taking care of your own table and you're ringing them up and you're cashing them out and you don't keep tips all humble all humble pie stuff uh-huh you drop that you've got to go apologize there's a lot going on <laughs> you know it, so. is, is
0: there is there pushback then like that that first year where people are sur- like is there like i don't want to oh absolutely I don't oh, absolutely. Do
1: absolutely i was thinking chef i could just move right into the second year <laughs> No, 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 you can't do that. It's, it's, the grid is set for you. You, uh-huh. you got to stay within your lane. Yeah, and you'll get to this in another year from now. Wow! Right, but <laughs> you, you know, and you can also ask that question. I thought you want, were we're going to be an owner, or how's your food going to come to the people? They're just going you know, <laughs> to magic. Yeah, here you go. Just snap that finger, and boom! There's your paella. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. So yeah,
0: yeah. Um, okay, so in terms of enrollment and getting into the program Mm -hmm. itself. Um, I imagine that the fall is probably booked
1: already? Well, there's one more um, intro class, that prerequisite I mentioned to Uh you. There's one more of those in August. Okay. It starts Monday, so that'd be difficult for for some. But um, those same classes operate in the fall. Uh So starting in September, that same type of class will be running in the fall. Which gets students ready for the winter semester. Okay. So you don't have to start in the fall for the program. You can start as what's called a half-half location. So that's fine as well.
0: So let's go through the the curriculums again. Do you have you said there's four of them. I, I believe you you went through. There's a one year.
1: Right. There's a one year certificate in you know in the basic culinary savory area. Uh huh. And then. And then there's a two year associate's degree for culinary arts. You okay. get Your associate's degree.
0: Can we talk a little bit about the differences between the.
1: Right, so the the, the, the one, one year, year the one year would be some basic competencies, food techniques, basic cooking skills, uh, the dining room where you're learning how to serve. Uh, you you learn basic baking, basic pastries, and basic butchery. Okay, that's what would be considered a year. Um, in the second year. You go from butchery to charcuterie. Okay. You go from food techniques to higher level, um, classical cuisine, which is my class, international cuisine, which is Master Chef Bieland. You go in the harder rigor. I mentioned charcuterie, Chef Brian Polson, and and then it, 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 you know, it gets harder. Yes. If you will, you get storeroom operations, your inventory, cost analysis, and it, it starts to progress itself. Uh huh. So, um, that's the second year. Okay. The four year is encompassed with all of that plus a nutritional track, some chemistry, culinary chemistry. There's other other things to that.
0: Oh wow! So when you and when you graduate the four year, what is is it a culinary arts degree or culinary is arts degree plus um, nutrition
1: with nutrition?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, great. Yes. So where can people find out more about this online?
1: So if you go to um, the schoolcraft.edu, uh-huh. you can then. Um, Go to the culinary section, and then in the culinary section has all of those grids that I mentioned.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. and hmm um, And that's, uh, so you said you can sign up for the intro class in the fall. Absolutely. And uh, that would lead you into the winter. Yes. All right. Yeah, great. it'd be great. Thank you. You're welcome. Sean, My pleasure. It's Sean, thanks for being with us. Great to Sean. be with you. My pleasure. Until next time, dine well, friends.